Those big cons are going to love you, eh? What do you mean? You're a cute little guy. They're going to be loving you from dawn until dusk. Burn! Where are you going to be? I'll be in the cafeteria selling smokes. Goodbye, Canada. Hello, U.S. Open in Pebble Beach Golf Links. Cut line. Going to break it down. It was fun playing up in the Great White North. For this week, the cut line takes you on a ride into the heart of the PGA Tour season as the U.S. Open is finally upon us. Pebble Beach is this year's host to the esteemed golf tournament and as a golfer, as a PGA DFS player, this week for me rivals even that of the Masters. Last year, DeChambeau called the U.S. Open clown golf. I call the U.S. Open a true testament of a golfer's ability to be the best player in the world for four days. But before that, hello Canada, hello Australia, hello USA, and hello UK. And as always, we'd like to remind our listeners that we can be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. So please subscribe and stay up to date with the cut line. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a like, leave a comment. Zach and I appreciate all of our listeners and we're happy to be providing some of the best content out there i'm mike cavalunas at lunas on twitter the cut line host and damn near fully recovered from whatever death held grasp of me last week it was a freaking crap ass vanillaness if you ask me but the u.s open is here and did i mention how excited i am i'm pumped why am i such a loser but i can't do this alone on the other side of the mic is my man, Mulligan Manafort, Zero Iron Zach. Damn, I shoot 110 on a golf course, and that's good for me, Zach. Manafort, Zach, how are you doing, my friend? Sooner or later, I'm going to come to you with a better score than 110. It's going to happen, but for now, I'm going to embrace it. I'm doing pretty good. I feel much better than I did last week, just like you. I think uh, we both managed to struggle through last week's uh, awful RBC Open. And I'm ready for the Open, man. I, I'm, the U.S. Open's here. I'm ready. I feel better. I, I think my thought process is going to be a little bit better. Uh, and I'm not on a bunch of meds. So, feeling great. Look ready for this week. Dude, I don't even remember last week. I don't even remember I had to doing go, the podcast. I had to go back and look after. I had no idea who I picked today just to like recap. And some of the guys I picked, I was like, oh, my God. They did terrible, which showed in my results from last week. I mean, I just forwarded our our audio to our intern um baldy mcdumbass and he he did all the editing and stuff but god he did not make us sound better that's for sure (laughs) oh baldy mcdumbass um anyways yeah dude i died you should have done it by yourself honestly it wouldn't have been much better i'd have just hacked up a lung but but by the time i got to the 9k i would have had no voice but you know you i would have done it i'd have struggled how you won you'd been fine You've been great. I, you just—I mean—you just wouldn't have picked the winner like I did. I'm, I remember picking Rory. I remember not picking Rory. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> never pick Rory. Well, anyways, this week's dumbass. You have to fill out a 
form just to throw something in the garbage? That sucks. Beavis, you're a stupid dumbass. Ass clown. Dumbass! You dumbass! You're a dumbass! Such a dumbass! You are a colossal ass hat. Oh, oh no, I beg to differ. Oh dear God. You see, my name's Billy, and I just won King of the Ring, but there's one problem. Everybody still thinks that I absolutely suck. Your fiance is an asshat. He's not an asshat. Hey, watch your language, okay? Oh, what language? Mr. Dumbass, I can bring a lot to Dumbass and Dumbass. I'm a go-getter. Dumbass material all the way. So, am I your man, Mr. Dumbass? So this week's winner goes to Chris Macias. Macias was the fine winner with only three. Three golfers through. So Chris Macias, nice work. Chris is the winner of a fine group of range balls, a sleeve of TP5s, and a plunger. Again, to be considered for our giveaway, make sure you tweet out an image of your worst, best lineup. Now the point of this award is to make sure that those who suck at least win something during the week. They feel a little bit better about themselves. It's the least that we can do here at the cut line. For this week's winner, we're going to contribute one new and one used golf glove, a new golf towel, and a used putter. We could potentially include a plunger of some kind, and we might throw in some other random shit just for a laugh or two. Remember to follow the cut line and make sure you tweet out those images. Now, the cut line is here to bring you in-depth DraftKings analysis of the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach Golf Links. And we're going to do the best we can... Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. ...to give you the best opportunity to cash on Sunday. We'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside sand traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And now the goal of the cut line is to make sure that not only is the tournament lined up in the green, but so is your bankroll. The cut line is here, you, is here to give you the best plays, the best lineups, week in and week out. Yeah, Mo, that team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. So if you have a beef with your lineups, the cut line is going to bring the ruckus, the wisdom, and dedication to give you the best plays for the week. And as always, a special thanks to PGA and Fantasy National for all the stats they provide for golf fans and PGA DFS enthusiasts. Fantasy National is helping draftees create unique lineups based on key stats and analysis. Trying to figure out why you're struggling in week in and week out? More than likely, it's because you're not considering Fantasy National. You're ending, on the, ending up on the wrong end of the flagstick, so I ask you, how are your lineups doing? Zach, how did you do at the RBC Canadian Open? Should, should have taken the week off. Uh, I had some Simpson, I had some Stenson. That's about where it ends for me. Uh, I didn't have any Rory. Didn't really have anybody else at the top. I missed for the first time since we started the segment. Uh, Drew Nesbitt as my monster, who came out firing with a 66 on Thursday and then just blew up on Friday to miss the cut. And then Nate Lashley, my guarantee, missed the cut as well. Uh, so that didn't help. So I didn't play a lot last week because I wasn't feeling too good, but I, I took a big old L um, across the board. So 
I'm coming back this week. I'm ready. How about you? Hopefully you did better than a zero because that's where I was at. I did. I did a lot better than a zero. I had Rory, as I called. But as I was telling you before we started recording, I literally had no idea what I was doing. Like, I was way more <laughs> sick than you were. Like, I think you were over. Like, I don't remember. I was coming out of it. You are going into I it. Don't, I'm still sick. I don't remember shit. Like, I... Like, I ended up with players I, that I would never end up. I think I was just like clicking names at some point in the, on Wednesday night, like barely <laughs> awake. Like, I ended up, I think, breaking even in the 20 max, and I still don't know how I ended up with so much Rory, even though I loved Rory, and so little DJ. And it, it, it was an ownership play. It, it was totally a leveraged ownership play, and, and I liked Rory here this week. But, my God, I don't remember jack shit in my process. I don't remember anything. So it, it was it was fun. It's fun to actually you know get min cash on on a on a on a week when you should have got zero. That's that's really what I'm looking at. But yeah, oh, the U.S. Open's here, man. Pebble Beach has hosted the U.S. Open five times in its illustrious career. For me, this is where the Open should always be played. Of course, that forces every golfer to play their best game, and no particular advantage or style or play correlates in any particular game. The Pro-Am early in the year gave a hint of what Pebble Beach could play like, but make no mistake, this course is now primed and ready for the U.S. Open, which means quick fairways, deep rough, and jet speed greens. Without a doubt, this is America's most well-known coastal course, and the cliffs of Carmel Bay, the post of Stamp Part 3, and the course is barely over 7,000 yards. But the U.S. Open's history has limited Pebble Beach's ability to gnash its teeth, as we've seen open winners on a variety of different U.S. Open courses. In this field specifically, Kepka, winner of the last two years, DJ, Jordan Spieth, Martin Keimer, Justin Rose, Webb Simpson, Rory McIlroy, Graham McDowell, and Lucas Glover. Yes, that Lucas Glover. The course is, for lack of a word, a monster. That was for you, buddy. Zach, what are the golfers looking at this week? Oh man, Pebble Beach is great. Uh, most one of the most iconic courses in the world. It, you know, coming over a little bit over seven thousand yards, seven thousand forty, I believe. Uh, we got Poa Nua Greens, just great, deep, thick, rough, uh, real tiny, tiny greens, about thirty-five hundred square feet. Some of the smallest greens on tour, and you know, it, the course is and the U.S. Open itself is celebrating its like hundred nineteenth uh, U.S. Open here at one of the most iconic golf courses you can ever buy. Pebble Beach offers huge, amazing views of the Pacific Ocean as well as just along the Golden Coast. I mean, you're not going to play on a better course. You know, I might be spoiled by some of my views here in Hawaii on public courses that cost like 40 or 50 bucks with a cart. Uh, Pebble Beach is in a league of its own. It's in, Pebble Beach is a public course, uh, but instead of 50 bucks, you're looking at somewhere around 500 to $550 just to play around uh, if you're a non-resort guest. So for me, I'll never probably see Pebble Beach, and I'm definitely not going to fork out that kind of money to shoot 100 and God, who knows what I would shoot there, like maybe 200. It's ridiculous. Anyway, the rough here is real thick, unforgiving. Uh, you're going to need to be a scrambler, and even if you're a scrambler, hitting it out of some of these roughs, it, it might not even be possible. Uh, I mean, you're going to have to be really good, really accurate. Um, I've seen some of the things going back and forth on Twitter where the ball goes about maybe 10 steps off the green, and you're not even going to be able to find it. So accuracy is going to be extremely paramount here. Uh, there's a ton of water in play on about nine of the holes. There's bunkers all around the green. Um, so hitting the fairway, staying on the fairway, and your approach shots are going to be key. 
We're not going to see a scoring fest this week, as as we know, with most of the kind of the U.S. Open events. Uh, probably we'll see the winner here being in the single digits, top top five score, maybe maybe three to five under if we're lucky. Uh, if the wind dies down, maybe a little bit higher. Uh, the cut's probably going to be three, four, five over par. Uh, it just depends on how how it all shakes out here Thursday and Friday. So uh, just getting par is a good score here. Um, so got to look for guys that know how to avoid all the trouble spots and just get up and down and, and get off get off the hole and onto the next one. Uh, I don't want people playing blow up games uh, like Phil taking his like triple putt and then walking off the off the course last year. Uh, Weather wise, we're not looking at much this week. It's still kind of early, but you know, wind is something that can really kill you at Pebble Beach. Um, doesn't look like it's going to be that bad. Uh, on Thursday, we're going to see winds around five miles an hour. It'll peak with gusts at ten, about two p.m. And pretty much the same thing for Friday. So it doesn't look like a real huge advantage either way. Um, that could change, of course. Keep an eye on it. It doesn't look like there's going to be any rain in the forecast, so that's not going to change anything. Um, so for me, the key stats I'm looking at this week to kind of take advantage of what we what we currently got weather-wise and course-wise. I'm looking at strokes gained approach and ball striking. Uh, it's not really a driver course. If guys come off the driver, you're going to end up a lot better. So proximity from 100 to 125 yards. And 200 plus, so we'll see some guys kind of lay up on some of these holes. Uh, also, good drives is going to be important for me. Uh, accuracy is extremely important, staying on the fairways and not getting caught off into the rough or anywhere around the green where you can get in some trouble. Um, greens are extremely small, as we kind of mentioned earlier, so GIR's gain is going to be huge if you can get on and get that birdie or you know get par and get off the course. So strokes gain putting on Poe is also something I'm looking at. Uh, guys who have historically done well, I'll throw that in the mixed condition model as well. Looking at like over 100 rounds of POA, just seeing who the top guys are, or who the bottom guys are, and making that determination for who I'm cutting in my, in my key stats this week. And then also touching a little bit on scrambling. Although I think it's key here, and I, I don't know how much weight I'm going to put into scrambling at the end of the day, because if you find yourself in the rough in some of these places, you're going to put up a big number regardless of if you're a good scrambler or not. I just I don't know how you recover from some of these shots. Uh, but that's what I'm looking at this week. Um, what about you? What what stats are you leaning on? This could go either way. I mean, there's so many different angles to take here. Yeah, I, I agree, but I'm I'm opposite you. Scrambling is paramount. Like you need to be able to scramble because everyone is going to miss a green. They're going to miss a fairway. They're going to be in a bunker. Um, they might have to go up and down. Whatever the case may be, scrambling is key for me. I am going to focus on that and the ability to also hit fairways. Specifically on Fantasy National, I'm looking at fairways gained. And mm. the only reason I like that is because it takes the driver element out of it. You know, you're looking at fairway accuracy with any club. Um, looking at approach, ball striking, birdies gained, bogey avoidance, and um, again, scrambling. It's the For me, it's the key stat. It's going to be most heavily weighted for me. I think that we've seen in the past, except for Tiger Woods when he was 12 under, just Pe- Pebble Beach just eats people alive. Um, the one element, though, I want to point out, I am weighting recent form very heavily in terms of accuracy into the fairway because I don't want players coming in here that are just off with their driver at all. And yeah. the, the last thing I want to do is play someone who has to find their form at Pebble Beach at the U.S. Open. No, thank you. No interest. So I'm really weighting recent form more more heavily than I normally do, and um, I'm I'm actually excited about that. You know, it kind of makes it a unique tournament for me because in, in my process as well. One thing I'm doing as well 
is the core cascading method, which I've talked about before. Um, I know that Rick Gaiman on DFS Demand has talked about it before. I'm pretty sure that DFS Army has talked about it before. And simply mm-hmm. says you, you establish your core and then you rotate you know one-offs with each player in every lineup. So if your core hits, you're going to be cashing big. Um, so there are videos on that available on the web. I think Rick does one himself. I actually think DFS Army does one too. I just don't remember who does it on their site. And it's free. So if you want to check that stuff out, it's cool. It's most definitely the approach I'm going with this week. Not quite sure where my cores are yet, but um, I love to use the uh, core cascading method at majors. So, so on a on a on a game theory perspective, when you say core cascading, I know we can look this up, and I've seen I've done it a lot for baseball. When you say core, what's your expo- what's your min exposure to a guy who's in your core? Well, well, think about it. Let, let's say that you're going to do the twenty max. Mm-hmm. Let's say you just do three cores, right? So your first lineup is your core lineup. And then you'll rotate every player out. So essentially, you have a, you know for one core, you'll have him exposed in six or seven lineups, right? Mm-hmm. And then you got uh, uh, 13 more lineups to make. And essentially, that's what you're doing. So your core is going to be your overexposed guys. Everyone else is kind of be one-offs unless you're going to play them in the other cores. Um, and it, right, so you should end up with like 60 or 70% of your core then. You're like one or two, at least three of your core guys. 60% seems about fair. Seems accurate. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. That's what I want to make sure. Because I, I do the same. I do similar things for MLB, and, I, and I've tried it in, in PGA, but I haven't tried it enough. I think with the 150 max, you get a lot yeah. more options. So, yeah. so you don't have to do three cores. You can do you know 10 cores or, or whatever the case may be, however you want to do it. But you can also do rotations of two instead of one. Or you could do rotations, uh, you know, however you want to do it. But the thing is, it, it gives you variance, and and I've talked a lot about variance lately, um, especially in PGA DFS. So that that that's my strategy this week. I'm excited about it. I'm so excited to make my cores, especially for the twenty max. Um, and of course, I'm going to shoot for the moon. Go for the uh, for the uh, fantasy golf world championship. We'll we'll see what happens. Nice. But this is going to take us to our birdie or better segment where Zach and I will break down each tier of golfer in this week's DraftKings player pool. We look to give you our favorite plays as well as the golfers we intend to fade. We're going to start with that 11 to 10K range. Zach, kick it off for us, man. Uh, Well, you know, I love this range a lot, and I usually don't when it comes to the upper tiers. I usually have an issue paying these kind of prices for for golfers, but this week I think is the exception. The the pricing's super soft on DraftKings, as, as it usually is for majors, and there's just the guys up here are just phenomenal. Uh, for me, I don't think it gets much better than DJ at 11.3. Uh, he ranks out number one overall in my model, both mixed condition and custom model. Uh, historically, he's a phenomenal POA putter. Uh, he's fifth over his last hundred rounds. His course history here is is pretty stellar as well. Out of 12 visits to Pebble Beach, he's only missed cut once, and that was in 2013. He won two back to back in 2009, 2010. Uh, he also has a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, um, and then some middle 41s, 45, 55th. So, I mean, overall, he has dominated Pebble Beach when he plays here. He's one of the best golfers in the world. He's elite as they come. Uh, when it looks, at, when I look at his custom stats that I mentioned earlier, the worst stat he shows up for me when I look at, you know, last 24 uh, on courses that have Poa Greens, he's is 32nd in proximity over 200 yards, which, I mean, if that's his worst stat, I'm not concerned about it. 
Uh, I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all. Uh, I actually love that he's priced under Brooks this week. Um, that's that's an interesting dynamic. Uh, I, I think it's going to be the ownership is going to be so spread out, where I don't think you really have to worry about, especially on the upper guys. I think you're going to see him pretty close together. Uh, and with the softer pricing, you could really even squeeze in some of these lower, you know, 10K plus guys with DJ and still make a pretty stellar lineup. So for me, DJ is like the far and away uh, number one for me this week. I like DJ too. The the one thing I, I don't like about this course for DJ, he has to change his game so much. Yeah, he can't overpower the ball. Sure. And that that changes his approach game. It's going to change his wedge game. And I know he's gotten better at the short game. He spent a lot of time practicing. And it shows on the course. But his game changes so drastically here where we're going to look at longer approach shots and we're going to have a, you know closer proximity. So that is a concern. But one thing I do like about DJ is he's won 10 tournaments more than any player in the field on Puana and Bent Grass Poa Greens. So that's huge. I mean, that's far and away the most. I think the next closest guy was like six six wins. So yep. there's a lot of great things to like about DJ. The one thing that I think is most interesting about him is his ability to get birdies and to score. And then, yep. you know, in his last eight rounds, he's been, he's been great at getting greens in regulation and ball striking. He's second in the field. So I like DJ. Another guy yep. I like, and I don't think you do, <laughs> is Tiger Woods. Ah, uh, no, I don't. You're right. But here's why. All right, you look at his stats in the last eight rounds, and we're talking about recent form, right? He's eighth in birdies or better gained, 38th in bogey avoidance, 77th in fairways gained. Now, I know that's a red flag, but he doesn't need the huge stick here. He doesn't need the driver. That fairway is just going to be concrete. That ball is going to roll. He's smart. He's an intelligent golfer. He's strategic. He could have a lot of success here because he doesn't have to mash with the big boys. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, he does do well on, I mean, his iron game has been phenomenal uh, over the last year. I mean, 86% of shots from the fairway from 120, 100 to 125 yards and 68%, which is better than tour average from 200 to 225. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I see the I see the appeal uh, for Tiger Woods, but I don't know. I, something just worries me that, you know, yes, he's good with his irons, but he does struggle um yeah, you know, if he gets off track. So, I don't know. I see. I mean, he's definitely valid choice at 10-7. It's not like he's a bad choice. But for me, I'm just going a different direction. Uh, that high up, I'm probably only going to take DJ and, and maybe maybe Brooks. I don't know yet. But uh, Tiger's just a little too high for me. I don't know if he'll make one of my cores, but he's most definitely going to be a one-off in one of my core, core lineups when I'm doing the cascading methods. So... I, I just think he can win here and it would just it would be great to see him. So Kepka, what are you gonna do? <sighs> Kepka is the bane of my existence when it comes to majors. I have been fading him all year at every major and it has destroyed me every single time. I just was I didn't like the, his form coming into the last one, I didn't like his form coming into the one previous to that. Uh, and he just like I said, I mean, I said it in each podcast, like, yeah, I'm not playing him. Just because of this, this, and this, but he's an elite golfer. He obviously can turn it around. If he does, he's going to crush it. And he did every single week. So 
I don't know if I go over three here and try to fade him again, but he's just simply been winning or coming close to winning majors. I mean, there's nothing really else to say, good or bad, about him. He's he's phenomenal when it come when the pressure's on, and statistically over his last 24, I mean, he he looks almost better than DJ. The, the only exception is he's not as good of a putter on Poa. So I mean, if that's splitting hairs, uh, I lean towards DJ, but. I'll probably have a little bit of Brooks this week just because I've been taking the big zero in the last two majors. Now, the last man to win three consecutive U.S. Opens was Willie Anderson, a Scottish golfer. He completed that feat in 1903. So you're saying we're overdue. We're either overdue or (laughs) recent trends are just not looking good for Brooks getting that three-peat. But... Needless to say, Brooks looks great on paper. You know, he's ninth overall in my model. 10th or birdie or better gain. 17th in bogey avoidance. 4th in greens and regulation gain. 16th in good drives gain. The course, though, is not that soft course that we've seen in the past. That concerns me. Yeah, but the PGA Championship wasn't either. PGA was soft this year. Beth Page? Wasn't as, I mean, not... Yes, but not like it's not an easy course. It's one of the harder courses. I'm I'm just talking about how how I don't mean hard in difficulty. I mean in like how hard the greens are going to be, how hard the actual ground is going to be. Oh, right. yeah. it's just dry yeah. and and it, like it's a different course altogether for Kepka. I think he's going to struggle. Um, I think it's one of those opportunities where where a fade might be in order, depending on ownership, especially if he's like incredibly highly owned. If people are going to eat that chalk and say, "Oh, look, Brooks Koepka just wins majors," let's 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 roster him, and it's a great idea. I mean, he didn't look that good last week. I, I don't know what it was. I mean, he looked—he hasn't looked that bad in a long time. Well, come on, you know what it is. It was not a major. He, he didn't care. He didn't have yeah, to. Yeah, but before he won the PGA Championship, he was fourth at the Byron Nelson, and that's what I said on the Byron Nelson why I wasn't playing him because I figured he wasn't going to do well, and then. You know, he wasn't going to play for real because the PGA Championship was coming up. I guess. Way different course, so, though. Way different. It is. No, no, I agree. I just He didn't look like the Brooks Kepka from the last three events where he was just gaining over 10 strokes around. I mean, it just didn't look good. But not to say that, I mean, I said the same thing the last two times, and then he turns around and wins it and comes in second. So Brooks is my, my dark. My, I just can't get him right. And I probably won't get him right this week either. <laughs> Number one in the world golf ring- rankings, currently eight to one to win this tournament, tied with Dustin Johnson uh, and Rory McIlroy. Guess who is just behind them at eleven to one? Tiger Woods. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I like. I, I, I think I'm going to go mostly DJ here, and, and I don't know. We'll see. I think I'll have a lot more DJ than I have Brooks, and I'll probably have maybe one or two with Brooks this week. He's the best. He's the eighth best scorer in the field. <laughs> Stop doing it to me. He's seventh is Webb Simpson, sixth is Rory, fifth is DJ, fourth is Cooch. Actually, he's the, he's the seventh best. I'm sorry, I'm reading my spreadsheet wrong. Cantley's number one, nice. and Justin Thompson's yeah. number two. But Cantley's where it's at. But number we'll seven, Brooks Kepka. Ranks number one in the world golf rankings and number one in your hearts. <laughs> Who else you got? Get out of this Brooks craziness. All right. Moving on from Brooks, we're going to go to Rory. 
Um, Rory's going to be an ownership play. I am willing to bet that people are going to go, man, he can't win back-to-back tournaments and be biased against Rory McIlroy. Or they're going to be like you and say, oh, dude, he just doesn't make cuts at Pebble Beach, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay, we can say that too. But Rory McIlroy is in great form. How can you not say that? I mean, there there have been a lot of similarities between last week's RBC Canadian Open versus this week's U.S. Open and the course conditions and everything of that nature. I love Rory here. I love that he's coming in on fire. He is avoiding bogeys. He's scoring, 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 and he's he's great in approach. Eighth overall in the field in approach. Um, he doesn't need to pull the driver out this week. I think that helps Rory McIlroy so much. He's going to hit a long iron, mid-fairway wood, and let that ball roll to those hitting zones in the middle of the fairway. I love Rory this week. I think he's a great play. <sighs> yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I, I mean, he. <laughs> I mean, did you see the last round last week? He just dominated it and left everyone in the dust. It wasn't even fair. But then I'm like, you know, did he, does, is, did he peak? Is the RBC his peak where he just got it all together between I mean, 67 round one, 66, 64, 61? I mean, if he would have saved that one week later, is it just a little too late? And I'm not going to say he's going to miss the cut or, you know, finish outside the top 10 or anything, but I don't know. Does he go from shooting 22 under to being able to compete here on a different kind of not, not a scoring course per se, you know? Somewhere he just has to manage. I kind of feel like there's an internal motivation. I mean, he was embarrassed at the Masters. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And and PGA didn't show up either. So it's just, I think Rory is in play. I really do. Oh, he's definitely in play. I'm not going to dispute that. I I mean, I'm I'm willing, between everyone we've talked about so far, I think I'm more willing to put Rory in my core than any of the other three that we talked about, other than DJ, Brooks, Kepka, and Tiger. My issue is his accuracy on a driver is just—he doesn't need the driver. He will on a few holes, and if he gets off—if he gets off track there, it's going to be enough to not put him in the top five, top ten. All right. Well, we might as well wrap it up with the other two. Cantlay, where are you going? Um, I'm all over Cantlay. I, I don't think there's a better choice in this range. He's underpriced. I mean, Chuck, ten K. Yeah, he'll be Chuck, but you know, you don't need to differentiate that much this week. I mean, we saw in the Masters if you do like the DK. Million maker analysis, like if you total your ownership up, I think the winner was between like 80, 85% owned. Like if you total your whole lineup up and you come up with 85% ownership, like that was the winner. See, and then this week, the million maker is priced higher. So, I mean, it's going to be a smaller field. So you can probably get away with, with like 80, 85. I think maybe it was 70, 75 at the Masters, but I have to go back. But still, I mean, you don't have to differentiate that much this week. You Really, you just have to be different, maybe one or two golfers. And for 10K for Cantlay, I mean, I don't know. He's priced over Rose, Fowler, Thomas, and Day, who I think are going to be popular picks this week. But, I mean, he's his course history isn't, like, the best. He's made three cuts, but his best finish, his best finish is a ninth back in 2013. But he's coming into this week in, in amazing form. And if that's what we're, we're really putting heavy weight on. I mean, he won the Memorial. He was third at the PGA Championship, third at the RBC Heritage, ninth at the Masters. Uh, he's been, he took a week off, so he's well-rested. He didn't have to deal with uh, anything, any craziness. Um, he, on Poe courses, over the last 24 rounds he's played, he's fifth in ball striking, 11th in proximity, fourth in, 14th in approach, and 18th in good drives. 
So I only have one hesitation with Cantlay, and he's just not the best putter on Poa historically. Um, ranked 72nd in the field over his last 100 rounds. So uh, that's been improving. If you narrow that down to his last 24, he's 31st. So if he can, you know, get stay on course and keep improving with the putter, and I see no reason why he can't compete to win this thing. And at 10K, I, I just there's no way I can turn him away. I will be overweight on Cantlay. I won't be crazy locking like I did with Kuchar two weeks ago, but I, I think Cantlay is worth the chalk and it's worth going over over on. Well, you, you need to be one of two things with Cantlay. You need to fade him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or be completely overweight. Absolutely, I'll be overweight. There's no doubt in my mind. Like, there's no way you're you're with the field on Cantlay, but nope. but but his approach game is elite. It's second to none. But how chalky is he gonna be? I don't. I don't care. I don't think. And I don't think. I think the pricing is so soft that he won't be as chalky as we think he will. Because you can fit. I mean, you can make a good lineup with two of the top ten. Got two of the top. I don't know, what it, two, four, six, eight, two of the top eight guys. I think it, that'll spread it out so much where he'll probably be in the in about twenty percent or so. But and I think that might even be high. I think he's gonna be really popular. You think over twenty? I twenty two, twenty six, somewhere around there. I mean, he was thirty percent on in GPPs at the PGA Championships. So, I mean, but only only twelve at the Masters. It's not like you can't look up this information for free about his, his recent form. People are going to see the fact that Cantlay finished in um, yeah, in but, first and third and third and ninth. Missed the cut of the players, which we don't count. But then was sixth and 15th, missed the cut of the farmers. So, at, Yeah, but look above him. Look at Speed's recent form. Look at Rory's recent form. DJ's, Brooks. I mean, all those guys have good recent form. So you, people are going to go down to Cantlay? As opposed to rostering guys that are better, absolutely, or absolutely higher priced, absolutely. But then you also have Jason Day. He, he crushes here, and he's ninety one hundred. Who I'm fading, by the way. Well, we'll get to that later. But <laughs> I don't know where I'll stick on Cantlay. Uh, it's really going to look at ownership on Wednesday night. You know, when I do my ownership model. Right now, I got him at about twenty two percent. That number is going to go way up or way down. Like I could see it going down to like. 14, 15% if you're right, if people are just jumping around this whole upper tier. Um, but if people look at that 10K and can't lay in his recent form and say, that's a that's a bargain, I need that. If he gets up to 22, 24, 26%, no thank you. I don't want to be at 40%, 50% can't lay. Now it's going to be so easy to take can't lay and put him in a core lineup. That's my issue with it. That's why I think his ownership is going to be so high. Well, right now, Fantasy National has him at 16 and a half. It's early in the week, granted. I don't know. I don't know. If that's if that even creeps to twenty, I'm still okay with it. I would still be okay with it at twenty five. If it gets over thir- if twenty eight, twenty nine, and I might rethink my approach, but twenty five percent and under, I, I will have double the field on Canada. Uh, well, I can tell you this, I'm gonna fade Jordan Spieth. Not because I don't uh. like Jordan Spieth, I just don't think he fits the course. Um, those tight fairways don't help him at all. And wait, 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 wait. How? How can you not? His history on this course is, a, is phenomenal. I'm not worried about his history on this course. I'm just talking about Jordan Spieth's recent game and the way he plays golf right now. I don't want any part of it. He, yeah, I, I, I can see 
his approach game has been horrendous. I mean, his short game's on fire. His putting, yeah, is around the green game. Yeah, that's what that, that's Jordan Spieth. That that is Jordan yeah. Spieth's game. Don't get me wrong. It, it's 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 just it's not good enough for me right now to say, oh, he's going to go into the U.S. Open and he's going to win. Now he has three straight top tens. Like you can't argue that he's not playing phenomenal golf. Um, now if if I get Jordan Spieth at sub ten percent ownership, he is going to be in my one offs in my core cascading model. But other than that, he's not making any core for me. But third at the PGA, it was a quiet third place. But it, yeah. it wasn't like hitting fairways at the at, at, at Beth Page Black was impossible that week. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I was all over him coming into this week. My so here's where I have a problem with speed. Like your the approach game, as you said, yes, it's horrendous, but. If you kind of break it down just a little bit further and like break down where he struggles on approach, it's actually not as bad as it looks. A lot of the sh- most of the shots on this course come from 100, 100 to 125 yards or 200 plus. In the last two events, he's gained 4.8 and 8.1 strokes from 100 to 125, and he's gained a half a stroke and then lost two strokes at Charles Schwab at 200 plus. Where he struggles is not where most of the shots come from. So if he can maintain that that area, and historically his problem has been 125 to 175, and that goes back his last 20, 30 events, but he hasn't struggled really in the 100 to 125 rounds. He may not be crushing the field, but he's not bleeding strokes as bad as he is in other areas. So with his recent form, I'm willing to take a few flyers on him if he can keep it in those shot ranges, which most of the shots on this course usually fall historically. But that being said, of course he can fall off the wagon at any time and have a bad round, and you know he doesn't even need a bad round. He just needs a bad hole. He could hit a drive that goes off one of the cliffs. Like, like yeah. But if we're talking, you know, not off the tee, he's not that bad. If we're gonna say we're gonna club down a lot, he's better out of the fairway from these ranges. He's actually better than tour average over the last year in every category range-wise below 200 yards well off the tee I would story I would hope he's better he's Jordan Spieth he's also better off the out of the rough if we're going to consider scrambling so I get what you're saying and I totally agree that his approach game has been bad and it's historically always been bad in those areas but he's always found a way to do well on this course so recent form aside he always finds a way to make the cut and perform well here. So I throw some of that out. He knows how to navigate this. And I'm hoping that as he's coming back into the Jordan speed he used to be back in like 2017, 2016, that he can put this, put it together. And remember, like he knows how to win here. He's playing better. Like here's the time to turn it on. I'm just going to have to do a deeper dive in speed. Like how's this bunker game looking? In recently. So out of the bunker, recently, uh, God, I was just looking at that too. Um, let me tell you. So, out of the bunker, we'll just do this real quick because people need to know, right? People need to know if it would pull up. All right, so out of the bunker, from we'll say, you know, 50 to 75 yards, he's a little bit worse than tour average. He's, made, he's only had three shots, he's made one of them. 
from 75 to 100 yards, he's made two of five, which is just about tour average. And then from there, he's actually better than tour average on every distance, every distance to 200 yards. So he's just a little bit worse in the field, close, better, further away over the last 12 months. So even when he's been struggling earlier in the year, he was still about tour average or a little bit better out of fairway bunkers. So I don't know. Take that for what it's worth. All right, let's move on to that 9K range, which... Let's do it. (laughs) Which I'm not in love with. I don't think you are either. The only two players I love... I'll first mention Justin Rose. You know, for me, I like Justin Rose because of his ability. Um, He's won the U.S. Open before. He, uh, his recent form is, is pretty good. 13th at the Memorial, 58th at the Schwab, 29th at the PGA, 3rd at the Wells Fargo. Statistically speaking, Rose is 41st, though, in the last eight rounds in my total rank, and he's just bad at scrambling. He's just been off. But the only reason I like Rose is for that reason of the fact that he was the number one in the world golf rankings early in the year. Um, you don't get there because you're lucky. So that's that's kind of how I feel about Rose. Um, any interest? Yeah, I'm the same way. I don't like the 9K range at all, and it, that's what's leading me to a Star Wars and Scrubs approach because I'm just really avoiding. And I'm with you on Rose. I think out of the 9K range, he's probably the only guy I would roster, but 9,700 is a little too much, and it won't fit what I'm, with what I'm trying to do. Yeah, he's made two cuts here. He came in six once. Uh, he's been making cuts. He struggles on Poe a little bit. He's like 67th historically over his last 100 rounds. But as you said, you know, his stats line up well here. Um, I wouldn't hate him in a GPP. But for me, I just don't think I'm going to have room. And for that reason, I'm going to probably not end up with any. All right. My second play in this 9K range, I think he's egregiously underpriced, is Justin Thomas. I love his form at the RBC Canadian Open. It was insane. Okay. The guy lost almost three and a half strokes putting in total, gained 6.1 strokes. I mean, I think if Justin Thomas learns how to putt again, he could win this tournament, hands down, no problem. He is so cheap at 9,300. And if you look at the last eight rounds, it's not impressive. It was the RBC Canadian Open, the last tournament in which Justin Thomas finally put his game together. I think he's past the wrist issue. Yep. And I love JT, uh, JT this week. I, I think he's a great play. Yeah, I mean, that was our concern last week was, do we really want to play him? You know, is his wrist really good? Is he going to give it a go? Is he playing halfway? And, you know, I, kinda, I think I said it last week. I mean, if he's going to play the week before Masters and, and risk in, re-injuring his wrist, I don't think he's ready to go. And I think you, you brought up the point, you know, it's, you know, you don't know until you know and play a full four rounds. And he made it through unscathed from what, I, from what it looks like to me. I mean, the guy was just on. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. If he can get his, his putter under control, he's, he's a great pick. So anyone else in this 9K range that you want to talk about? No, I, I you know, I'm off ROM. I think this this is one of those courses that I'm going to be on the ROM head case wagon. He gets in trouble and he falls apart. So I'm off ROM. Jason Day, I mean, historically, he's been phenomenal here. Uh, Fourth, second, fifth, fourth, sixth, eleventh. Um, he he just crushes this course, and I, I don't know why he's ninety one hundred. I I just don't get it. Um, it just something just doesn't seem right. He looked bad at the Memorial, uh, where he missed the cut. He was twenty third at the PGA, twenty fourth at the Wells Fargo. Uh, I don't know. 
I just think it screams trap for me for Jason Day. And if anyone's going to be chalk or co- approach high numbers, I think Jason Day at that price is going to pull some ownership. And I just I don't want any of it. And that's it for me in the nine K range. Jason Day, thirty three to one odds to win the tournament. Yep. Trap. 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 He's too. Why is he ninety one hundred? Why is he so low? If he's so if if he if he plays here so well, why is he ninety one hundred? Because it's DraftKings major pricing. No, why why is he lower than Rom? Why is he even like why is Rom ninety two hundred? I I don't understand. He's playing better. Rom's playing better right now. Anyways, he's missed the last two cuts. He's still playing better statistically. Not better than Jason Day. In the last eight rounds, he is. No. I'm gonna fade Ricky. Uh, his game's a little off right now, and I have no interest in being a part of that. Nope, oh, with you. All right, so we're gonna move down to that 8K range. I'm I'm just gonna list the guys I like, and we'll we'll, we'll go through <laughs> them. But I love the 8K range. I mean, Fleetwood, Matsuyama, Xander, Adam Scott, Kucher, Paul Casey, and DeChambeau and Gary Woodland. I mean, that's almost all of them. <laughs> And, and yeah. for some reason, yeah. like I, I should be looking at Tony Finau. I don't know why I'm not. And I'm going to tell you right now, my fate is Phil Mickelson. Ah, oh, really? I'm fading lefty. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I, I get that. I, he's, he's just... At what point does age catch up to you? Ask Jim Furyk. Different golfer. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't too long ago that Phil was in good form at the beginning of the year. I mean, so it's not like he's bad. I don't think, I mean, last year he had, he strung together a whole bunch of top five, top ten finishes. So I think he can do it. I just, he's in terrible form. I mean, he looks just, aw- I don't think he's looked this bad in a long, like, I can't even scroll back far enough where he's missed or finished this badly in a row. I wonder how popular he's going to be. But, you know, he mails it in in, in uh, tournaments he just doesn't want to play. So, I mean, I don't know if he's just in some of these to, you know, maintain whatever he needs to do with whatever sponsor that he's he's got and he's just missing the cut and packing it in or just having a good time. But I just, he's better than what he's playing. So unless there's something going on health-wise, I can't see where he comes out this week and it's just awful. I don't know. I... He's an interesting case, I and mean, he's. I like Phil this week. I don't, I'm not gonna have a ton of him, but he is one of the best at this course. I mean, he came in first and second on Pebble Beach last year, second in 2016, won it in 2012. I mean, he's actually never missed a cut here since before 2009. Well, you, look, going back, I mean, even if you look long, even like long term, the last hundred rounds, okay. He's still only 76th in scrambling, 139th in the field in fairways gained. So how does he do it? With his, I mean, those last 100 rounds count a one and a two here. I'm just saying that just overall, I'm not talking about at Pebble Beach. I'm just saying overall, last 100 rounds, he, 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 even then he looks mediocre. Where, where well, Phil plays in DraftKings is, it, is his scoring ability. But you know comes the bogeys and the double bogeys and the stupid shots and the... And the your putt is still moving. I'm gonna hit it because I'm so angry and frustrated. <laughs> like, like that's the Phil Mickelson I'm expecting to see here. Um, yeah, great. 
didn't he won the program this year that was awesome you know he won he won the 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 baby version of pebble beach that's fantastic but 71st at the pga he didn't want he didn't want to play he didn't want to win the pga championship he didn't want to play there wasn't that the one where he was like i don't really want to go there but they're making me go no, that was the players that, oh that was yeah you're right that was the players that's right and and he got 18th in the, i mean look at this miscut the memorial 71st at pga miscut at wells Oh, I'm with you. He's he looks awful. Miscut, but then he gets an 18th at the Masters. I mean, he loves the Masters, and that I mean, he performs well there historically, and he shows up, and then he goes off the wagon again. I mean, is it? But isn't that is it that, because he doesn't want to play? Like he doesn't care? Like he looks like he has fun at Pebble Beach, and his results show that he plays well there every year, despite anything else that's going on. I I guess so. I, I it's hard for me to take. I have to take it with a grain of salt in this this year's pro am, because the, the course is way different. Sure, oh, I, I agree. Um, I agree. I'm just looking at it from a. I think Phil is one of those. His stats are skewed by events where he just doesn't care, and he just it. They drain him so much. Like he just, I don't know what he does at those courses, but I mean, when he loses like seven strokes on approach in a tournament where he's just packing it in, I mean, that's going to drag his historic form down. But if you look at just the tournament itself as like your historical baseline, here he does very well. So I don't know. Phil's like one of the ones that's an anomaly where he's not like a golfer that tries every week, like most of these guys. So I don't know how much you can put into long-term form when some of those are obvious like tank jobs. All right. Well, let's go to Fleetwood. Yeah. And um, my concern, I say it every time we bring up Fleetwood, we're still waiting on this first wind. And the question is, could he do it here? Nah. I, don't so. I mean, are we going to keep saying that until we say, oh, he... I mean, I, I've been supportive of Fleetwood the last couple of majors, and, and he still hasn't come through. 15th in bogey's avoidance in the field. 28th in greens and regulation gained. You know, he, he struggles a little bit off the tee in terms of fairways gained, but that's okay. Um, struggles with scrambling a little bit, but his history at the U.S. Open is is fantastic. Mm-hmm. To where he had a second, a fourth, and tied for twenty seventh in twenty fifteen. I think because of his past history, the moment Tommy Fleetwood is in play. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. I'm just tired of him not making it. Yeah. <laughs> Who else you got in this race? I've been supporting him for so long. Uh, I don't know. Um. If we're going to go to 8K still, I think another guy that, I mean, if we're going to follow this suit is Matsuyama. I mean, 8,800. He's never played here before, uh, but he's coming in in pretty phenomenal form off seven straight cuts, with his last one being a sixth at Memorial. He's been trending upward. Uh, he's ranks fifth overall for me, and he's been crushing it. 13th in GIR's gain, second in proximity from 200 plus, seventh in good drives, fifth in approach, uh, and 14th on you know, ball striking. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm hesitant with the history here, and he's not the best putter on POA, but I don't know. I, I like the angle of his trending upward in, in his form coming into this week. I'll have some. I don't know if I'll be overweight. I'll probably be under, but I definitely want parts of Matsuyama. I mean, every aspect of his game, he's been gaining strokes for the last three, almost four weeks. Five, six weeks, really. 
I know I, he's been getting a lot of hype on Twitter. Um, That's my concern. Uh, birdie or better gain, he ranks number one in his last eight rounds. The guy has been a scoring machine. You kind of want that with your drafting scoring this week going to be so low that you want every birdie that you can get. Um, my concern is that Matsuyama is another one of those guys who's never won a major. Yeah. But he's in a great, he's a great spot. His, his most successful finishes have been at the U.S. Open. So I, I think he can excel here at Pebble Beach. Um, gonna go look at Xander Shoffley now, who I think is gonna be mega chalk. A lot of people are all over Xander, but 25th in bogey avoidance, 29th in greens and regulation gained, 19th in good drives gained. Um, I'm going to have Xander. I'm just not sure where I'm gonna finish because he's just popping in all my models, and he's in great form, and like a complete fade of someone who's gonna be that popular by that many touts has burned me in the past. See Brooks at the PGA. I don't know if I could fade him and let it be a leverage play that I'm okay with. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on everything. I mean, he's he's phenomenal on his approach is what really keys me in. I mean, he struggles in a few areas, but the key ones, 100, 125, he's, the tour average is 86, 83, he's 86%. And then, you know, 200 to 225, which we'll see a lot of shots at. He's 60% where the field is only 50. So he's dialed in. I mean, the guy is just in great form. This is He's going to be chalk. And again, I'm with you. I don't know. I don't know how much I can fade Xander here. My only, I mean, the only thing I can find on him is his putting is a little suspect on Poa, but I don't think enough it's gonna, enough to drive me away. Mm-hmm. Well, other guys in this AK range there, like Adam Scott, Kuchar, Paul Casey, uh, DeChambeau, and Woodland. Um, but I want to talk about DeChambeau because I've been preaching this whole recent form thing. And DeChambeau's recent form is terrible. <laughs> this is a historical form consideration for me, and it's where I think you can get leverage to the field and having some Bryson DeChambeau in your lineups. Um, he might just be too good of a thing to pass up being how cheap he is and how low-owned he's going to be. But... Other than that, any anyone else in this 8K range that you like you want to talk about? Uh, no. I mean, Paul Casey's interesting at 8,300. You know, he's done well here in the past. You need that putter. Second. You need that putter to get hot. And that's what I was going to say. I, my concern is he's not a Poa putter. Um, at 8,300, he fits easy in a lot of lineups. But, you know, his, his not very consistent. So, and then Gary Woodland is always in play, especially when he's 8K. Drivers away. But again, drivers away with a POA putting. He's one of the worst. He's 95th in the field over his last 100 rounds. So Doesn't matter. That's got rid of the driver. Yeah, so I mean, he overcomes that. For 8K, I mean, he's too low for, for, for what he can do. And that's really, for me, that's where the 8Ks end. I mean, we talked about fill in depth. And, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. All right, so... We'll go to that 7K range. Why don't you kick it off for us? Boo, 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 7K. Mr. Henrik Stinson, 7,600. RBC finished eighth, trending in the right direction after playing a little iffy a couple, about a month or two ago. Uh, he's only played here once in 2010, but he finished 29th, if you care about a one performance record from nine years ago. Uh, over his last 24 on POA courses, he's he actually comes out second overall in, my mo- in uh, just a custom stats model. And that's all from approach being second, sixth from proximity from 100, 125. He's first in the field from 200 plus. 
first and good drives, which is going to be huge, and seventh and GIRS gain, which with these tiny greens, that's gigantic for me. Uh, he's also a pretty good putter on Poe over his last 100 rounds. He ranks 24th, and he's even gotten better over the last 24 rounds on Poe. He's 18th. Um, I think he's ridiculously underpriced, especially you know because it came out before last week. It's trending in the right direction. Uh, I don't see any reason why I can't fit him in a Stars and Scrubs lineup. Uh, he'll definitely be part of my core. Uh, eh, well, I won't go that far. I'm going to be over the field on him. I don't know if he'll be part of my core yet, but I, I like I love Stenson this week. Yeah, Stenson's a solid play. He, he pops in my lineup as well. Um, eighth overall in my model, but he's first in fairways gained, sixth in greens and regulation gained, second in good drives. I think those are all three key stats that you want to consider here at Pebble Beach. Now, around the green is where he struggled last week at the Canadian Open, and he still finished yeah. in eighth place. So that's not typically part of Stenson's strength, per se, but these greens are small. That approach game needs to be on point for him to have success here. So um, that's something I would be slightly concerned about because on some of these U.S. Opens, he just misses the cut. It, it's, it's hard, but then we've seen in the past where he's gotten in the top 25. So um, course conditions are going to play a part, I think, in Stenson's game this week. How is he able to kind of stick those approach shots? And I think he's going to have a hard time just because of the fact that this course is going to play so difficult. So I, I am going to have some Stenson. I just don't know where I'll end up with him in my ownership, my total ownership. Um, another 7K guy that I like is um, Webb Simpson. He's made four of the last five cuts at the U.S. Open, and he's in great form for the course. He's going to be popular, but he's probably going to make one of my course in my one of my three cores in my 20 max. I'm pretty sure Webb Simpson will be in one of those three. I'm just sure, not sure which one. Um, Webb Simpson overall, sixth in my model, eighth in greens and regulation gained, third in good drives, and 16th in ball striking, 31st in approach. So he's fit in those top 30s, top 40s for every statistical category and plenty of top 10s. I like Webb Simpson. What about you? Yep, I'm in. I got nothing else to add on Webb. I think he's a great play. My only concern is historically he hasn't done great here, but, I, you know, his form coming in here is good enough for where he's priced at. He doesn't have to win it, um, but he definitely, you know, he'll do well. I have no issues with Webb at all. My favorite sleeper in this range, I think you're going to disagree, Kevin Na. <sighs> he actually, he didn't make the cut for me. I'd like to hear... Nah, I, don't, I never even actually dug into him that much. Well, I mean, he's got great tournament history just basically at the U.S. Open. Um, especially for a guy that you're going to play, be paying 7700 for. 2017th, he was tied for 32nd, 7th, 46th, and 12th. So he's got four for four straight made cuts since 2014. Okay, we got that going for him. In my mixed condition model, Nah ranks 25th in scrambling, 24th in good drives gained, and 25th in scrambling gained. So I love the fact that he's going to be in adverse conditions and being successful. Greens and regulation gain, he's 15th in the field. I love Kevin Na here. I, I think you could get him at sub 10% ownership, and he could be a steal, a top 10 steal, especially at 7,700. He might be a core play for me too. Um, still got to wait till Wednesday to get that down. But sixth in approach in the field in the last eight rounds. He's playing great golf. And that's something you really want going into this tournament. Yeah, no, I mean, coming off his win, I mean, that's great. Um, 
historically, again, here, if we're looking at course history, he's mixed bag. I mean, he's gotten a fourth and a fifth. That was years ago, but he's also missed five cuts here. So, I mean, the right Kevin Nash shows up, as always. He's one of those guys that I used to roster early on when I played PGA DFS, and yeah, it was just... Yeah, the Kevin fucking Na Express. You, you just never know. He can come out and play great, and then next week he sets up well and just falls apart. He didn't make the. He didn't make my initial cut for me. I, I get what you're saying, and I totally valid. But I think it's more of a heartache for me with Na. Coming off a win, I'm always hesitant for guys that haven't played since then. I don't know. I'm, I don't think I don't think I'll have any this week. But not saying he's not a good play. All right, who else do you like in this range? So many people. I love the 7K range. Uh, Graham McDowell at 7,300. Uh, he looked great last week. The dude was just cruising down fairways. Uh, eighth place at the RBC last week. Striking the ball phenomenal. Uh, he's good experience here. He got 18th last year. He missed the cup previously, but then a 7th. And then a win back in 2010 if you want to go back that far. Uh, he's 19th over his last 100 rounds on POA. So, I mean, he's going to par. He'll make par. He'll make birdies. If he's got a shot at it, he'll make it. Um, from a stats model, he doesn't pop a lot, which is great. I think, you know, coming into this week in good form, good confidence, uh, I like the fact that he doesn't grade out well in some of the categories. Um, but they don't scream like, stay away, he ranks terrible. So, I mean, he's middle of the road. And at 7,300, I don't think you have to be like a top 10 guy in some of these categories. So, you know, I, I like McDowell a lot this week, but I've seen him talked about a little bit already. So I worry that his ownership is going to start creeping up. But uh, for right now... I think I'll have, I'll have a decent amount of McDowell. Yeah, I see the play there. I, I, got, I got no arguments against that. I'm um, not sure how much I'll, I'll end up with Graham McDowell, but I don't know it makes sense. Um, anyone else in this range? You like Sneds? You like Furyk? Yeah, I like Furyk. I mean, you take the driver away. He's great with his irons. He, he's been doing all right. 27th, the RBC last week. Uh, he's great Poa putter, which it, it just helps him with a great iron game. Uh, he's accurate as well on fairways. He's great. GIR has gained. Um, the fact that you don't need to be a long hitter and do well here, I mean, Furyk is phenomenal. He took some time off. Uh, he's not playing as on fire as he was back at, you know, the, the WGC, but still playing well, and I think 7,200 is, is just atrocious for Jim Furyk. I think he should be much higher. And then, you know, two, one guy I do want to mention who – I think we'll go overlooked this week, and and because he just got added to the field is is uh, Grio at seventy one hundred. I absolutely agree. I think my only concern with him is his he just is a terrible putter, but I just don't think anyone's going to play him because he was added late. He's seventy one hundred. He gets lost in the seven K range. There's so many good guys, and he's in he's just coming in in fantastic form. Ninth at the Memorial, nineteenth at Charles Schwab, twenty third at the PGA Championship. My only concern is Poa putting. Well, it is something to be concerned about, but I mean, at this point with the GPP play, anyone's putter can get hot. If mm-hmm. Griot's putter can get hot, I mean, we're looking at a potential win. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. I, I, as soon as I saw the email come from DraftKings, I was like, "Oh my god!" I hope he goes overlooked. I don't know how overlooked Griot's gonna gonna go. Yeah, he, he's so popular. I don't know a lot. I mean, people are putting out their podcasts and articles early this week because they started their research, you know, Friday after the RBC went to hell. And he wasn't mentioned on all sorts of different stuff. So unless they get updated and we start seeing talents all over him, yeah. I just don't. I don't think he's priced high enough where people are going to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I hope you're right because I love playing Griot. 
I, I just I know the risk and the risk reward with playing him. I think it's absolutely worth it. Um, so then I'll throw the one at you. What about another late ad, Scott Piercy? My problem with Piercy is that he missed the cut at the Canadian. He played terrible, and I don't want that kind of form in my lineups. Even with his like six straight with a second and a third before that, I, I just is the RBC a hiccup or was he? I mean, I don't know. Stat wise, he lines up pretty well. That's true, but when you look at the PGA, he was forty first. At the Schwab, he was nineteenth. The second yeah. and third was was way 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 back when. Um, I think we I think his time has passed in terms of when he was playing great golf. Yeah, you might be right. I, I think yeah, I think you're right there. So uh, a guy who I do have interest in is CT Pond. Yeah. Um, the uh, the idea of his precision type game, his his approach game, is something I think could really work well to his favor here. He doesn't have to pull out the driver. Um, and he finished third at the Schwab. I think finishing in the top 10 in the last two tournaments is key to being successful at this U.S. Open. And he did win at the RBC Heritage, which we know is target golf. Um, you need proximity, there you go. C.T. Pond's a guy who could potentially get top 25 for you, could make the cut, no problems. Um, I like C.T. Pond. I don't know where he'll end up in my builds as of yet, but he's someone that I have interest in. Yep, agreed. So, who are you going to fade in this range? No interest in. I'll tell you mine right now is Keegan Bradley. Oh, come on. I was going to ask about him. Statistically, he jumps off the page at me, but I am have no part of Keegan Bradley. I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of yeah. it. I'm so annoyed with it, and I just don't want any piece of it anymore. I'm going to take pieces of Jimmy Walker. I'm going to take pieces of Zach yep. Johnson. Um Probably no Glover, probably no Piercy like we talked about, no Mitchell, no Norn, but for sure not going to consider Keegan Bradley just for the fact that it's so frustrating. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I was going to pick him, and since you did, I'll just go a different route and say I'll, I'm fading Sergio Garcia this week. Just looks like garbage. Uh, well, everyone uh, knows I fade him. I mean, right, well, yeah, i got to pick somebody else. So. I mean, besides him, I mean, I'm looking at guys like... Fucking cocks. You know, other guys I... <laughs> Other guys I have interest in, you know, a little bit, uh, Bubba Watson, a little bit of Cam Smith. I don't know about him yet. Billy Horschel is interesting at 7,200. Uh, of course, I'll have some Jimmy Walker, and that's probably it for me in the 7K range. All right, so let's go to that 6K range. Oh, I like it. It's where I shine. <laughs> Martin Pillar. He is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut. Miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut. Miscut. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. (laughs) A monster. I guarantee he will make the cut. So, let's go... Want me to start this one off, or you want to start? Uh, well, I would like to explain to everybody that this is our MG Monsters and Guarantee, the Martin Pillar effect. Thank you, Zach. Um, essentially, we will pick one monster, our player in the 6K range we expect to finish in the top 25, and our guarantee with our 6K player to make the 
cut. Zach, it's your segment, man. You always start this one. Hold on, wait a second. Did Martin Pillar make the cut last week? He did. Oh, that's dirty. Uh, no, he didn't. No, he got cut. He shot a 71 oh. on Friday. All right. I, I saw he was close to it at the end of Friday, and I didn't. Oh, that's right. They changed that cut from um, yeah. minus one to minus yeah. two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he did not make it good. All right, good. All right, so back to the, the matter at hand here. Let's go with. I'll go with the monster. 6,900, which is just below our cutoff line. Monster. But I love it. Eric Van Ruin at 6,900. Pick these random people. (laughs) They're so not random. I have nailed two of the last three. Last week, I'm throwing out because I was sick as a dog. I I am on fire in the 6K. You know who I think I picked last week for my guarantee? It was Burgoon. You did. And he didn't even play. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we're throwing out last week. So if we're not counting last week, I'm 100%. In these things. And here's why. Eric Van Ruin is coming in after a 20th at the RBC. He got an 8th at the PGA Championship. A 36th at WGC Mexico. A 22nd at WGC HSBC. And a 17th at the Open last year. Every event he's played, he's made the cut. And they've all been major events. He's coming in here, probably one of the most confident guys below 7K. He's a good Poe putter. Uh... Which is, which is key. Stat-wise, he's not jumping off the page. He doesn't have a great sample size, so you can't really, you can't really say he's great or not great on some of these courses. But, you know, he 15th in good drives, 12th in GIRs gained, 17th in ball striking, and that's over the last 20 rounds. So, I mean, on POA, on POA courses. 6,900 is a crime based on how he's performed at the majors. He makes the cut. Top 20, or no, we're saying top 25. He makes a cut, top 25. Van Ruin's my, my monster. My monster's going to be Aaron Badley. Now, if you look at his recent form, he's not popping in any way. Okay, he's, he's, he is, though, first in the last eight rounds in scrambling, which whether you want to consider scrambling in the last eight rounds a good thing, probably not. But I, I like his ability to scramble. Now, the one thing, though, that that appeals most to me for Badley is the fact that at the U.S. Open, he's finished in 23rd and 25th when he's played here. So, I like Badley. Um, There's no stat, really, that's going to pop and say, oh, he's going to be a great player. I know he's decent on greens, he's a good putter, and he's good at avoiding bogeys. I think those are great keys to success here this week. My guarantee for this week... Guaranteed to make the cut. Little known Justin Harding. I think this guy has a lot of potential in these majors. He's made he's made, made the cut in both this year so far. And was exceptional at Augusta. I think Justin Harding is your lock to make the cut. Who's your guarantee? Guarantee I'm going to go all the way to the bottom of the barrel. Rob Oppenheim. If you want to pick guys that are totally random, this is, you know, I dug into a lot of these. Low 6K guys. I just love it. I love the no-namers coming in here off the amateur tour. For 6K, Rob Oppenheim, I mean, he's not from California, but his quote on the PGA website or the amateur website is, favorite vacation spot, Pebble Beach near Monterey, California, which coincidentally happens to be his best PGA tour finish, which was eighth in 2017, where he shot 69, 68, 9, 68, and a 72. Uh, So, you know, he's played well here before. Uh, Um... It's 
That was his second top 10 on the PGA Tour. And really go back and look at his web.com tour stats. And he's, I mean, granted, they're not pro by any means, but he's made the cut in the last five events, 24, 33, 33rd, 19th, 27th, and 26th in the last five weeks. So, I mean, he's coming in here with confidence. He's making cuts. Uh, he's an accurate driver. Uh, you know, he's hitting 71% of the greens regulation on tour. He's driving at 67% accuracy. Uh, he's 48th on putting average. And he's, you know, what else? He's, I mean, the guy's just phenomenal. Overall, he's just been showing up and making cuts. For 6K? Yeah, he's making it this week. All right. So that'll wrap up the MG Monsters and Guarantee. Uh, other guys you like in this range just want to gloss over. I like Danny Willett. I think the eighth place at the RBC Canadian is, is, is pretty nice. I also like Andrew Putnam. Um, give me some uh, some Ches some Ches Revy or Revy as well. Anyone else? Victor Hovland at sixty seven hundred, Norwegian superstar. Um, he's going to be playing with Brooks and Francisco Molinari on the first two rounds. Ooh, that's so intimidating. He was the he is returning as the U.S. Open reigning amateur champion. So there's that there's that angle. I like Luke, uh, Luke Guthrie at 6600, uh, coming in with great confidence as well. I like Devin Bling who came in second last year behind Victor Hovland at the U.S. Amateur, which, and he's from California. I like that, and I like Colin Morikawa from California, who had his professional debut at the Canadian Open after he won the PGA qualifier. So I think he's going to have a huge. I think we'll see his name on tour a lot more in the future and I think now is the time to get on not a bad job not a bad job there <laughs> I can't believe you're looking at okay but I like I <laughs> rotate can't those guys through your lineups believe, and show I, me all the money I that can't you believe you're this invested in the 6k range but that's fine I love the op- I love majors when there's amateurs playing I love it oh you men are all alike seven or eight quick ones and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. Well, that'll wrap up the cut line in our analysis of the U.S. Open. Join us next week as we break down the Travelers Championship at TPC River Highlands. And again, thanks to Fantasy National and PGA. I'd like to also thank Zach for his contributions to another great show. And you can find Zach on Twitter at EaglesFan83. I'm Mike Cavalunas. You can find me on Twitter at Lunas. And, of course, you can find the cut line at T Cutline. Get those lineups in, and let's see some winners. Go and get them. <laughs>